Welcome to another edition of the Desert News Ute Insiders Podcast. It's Rivalry Week. We're going to delve into the Cougars and the Utes. This is a special edition. Stay tuned. All right, welcome to another special edition of the Desert News Youth Insiders podcast here for Rivalry Week. We're going to look at some of the top performances and reflect on those. Joining me is Mike Sorensen and Brad Rock, two guys who've seen it all. And there's me who pretends he's seen it all. I kind of have a bad memory, but uh, we'll see if we can get through this. So let's talk about special memories. Uh, Before we get started, as far as top players... Mike, you have somebody, a blast from the past that you looked up. You know, uh, two, two of the most famous Utes from the 1950s. Some of the old-timers remember these guys. A couple guys named Lee Grosscup and Larry Wilson. Uh, Lee Grosscup was an uh, All-American quarterback. That was uh, his, his numbers aren't that great, but at the time, he was famous as a, one of the top quarterbacks in the country. And He later became a broadcaster for ABC and, I believe, the Cal Bears. So. Yeah, he still does a little something for Cal does, Bears. Yeah. And I met with him last time uh, the Utes played him, and he's still going strong. Yeah, and in his 70s. Still yeah. follows the Utes. Yeah, and he's, he's got strong feelings still for Utah. We talked to him over there at Cal, was it two right, years ago? Yeah. yeah. Once, once we got a hold of him, uh, it's hard to let go. He uh, he wanted to keep talking about the Utes. Yeah. So. And Larry Wilson, people don't realize, you know, he was a Hall of Famer for St. Louis Cardinals, one of the greatest safeties in NFL history. But he was also, uh, he was a great running back for the Utes, and he scored uh, numerous touchdowns during his career as a, as a Ute before he went on to the pros. But uh, the game I was just going to talk about, one of the top performances was in 1957. Uh, the Utes beat BYU that year 27 to nothing. And during that game, Lee Grosscup, he threw two touchdown passes, one to Larry Wilson for about 20 yards, and he also ran for a touchdown. And, you know, back then, you know, you think 27 to nothing, but 27 was kind of a big score back then. You know, they weren't a lot of uh, people weren't scoring in the 50s like they do now. But that was kind of like one of the uh, top performances that included Two of the most famous Utes uh, from uh, from yesteryear. All right, uh, good that we have something from the past, Brad. Uh, anybody? How far back can you go back? Yeah, as far as somebody uh, had a big game with the, uh, Utah BYU. Yeah, I, I I think I'd have to probably go back. Um, you know, in, in the eighties. I, I mean, I, I I don't remember too much when I was going to college. I remember that you know that was sort of during the Lavelle twenty uh, five year reign when it wasn't uh, wasn't really much of a game, and then Mitchell came along, and that. Was was the first time well Gomez was the first time as we talked about in the another segment uh, and then uh, and then when Scott Mitchell came along in 1998 or 1988 and beat them and he had a, he had a great game but I, what I had uh, forgotten uh, and kind of got back as I got thinking about it was Eddie Johnson had four touchdown runs in that game and he was a, a phenomenal uh, college running back and and uh, had four touchdowns in that game Utah 157 28 you know with the with the injury to Zach Moss it looks like Eddie Johnson's going to maintain his status as the all-time leading rusher in Utah history. Uh, Zach Moss is closing in on that, and with the injury, obviously, it's like Eddie Johnson will stay on top there. And then, you know, Mike, one thing that made that game interesting, we talked about Eddie Johnson, but Scott Mitchell being a Utah County guy coming up to Salt Lake and then beating the Cougars added a little something to that, didn't it? Have a Springville guy do that. Yeah, Scott 
Mitchell, you know, people forget what a great, well, no, forget. He was a great quarterback with a ton of yards. He still has a lot of the records at Utah. But he had a game that maybe was, you can't maybe overshadowed by the fact that Eddie Johnson had four touchdowns. But Scott Mitchell, uh, he was 21 out of 30, had three touchdown passes that day. So to him, I mean, only pa- you know 30 passes isn't that many because they, they could run the ball with Eddie Johnson. Right. But he had a, it was a solid game, and uh, I think he had just one interception. So he was a big reason for that win as much as Johnson was. You know, it's kind of interesting, too, and we talk about great performances. A lot of these guys at Utah went on to play in the NFL that rose to the occasion in against BYU and Scott Mitchell was one of them um, and we'll talk about some others but you know Eric Weddle and guys like that that stepped up and had big games you know let's look back I've kind of bored these guys with the 03 game a little bit t- saying how cold I was in that but Brian Borison kicked a 41 yard field goal in those horrible conditions down there proved to be the only points in the game 3 nothing win for the Utes first time I think we looked up since 1975 that BYU had been shut out in the game so you could say Utah's defense rose to the occasion in that game but uh, you know there's memories like that where it's not just an individual but it's a whole unit like the defense and you can even argue in that Rice Bowl game Mike that the offense came to play that day they put up a lot of points with Eddie Johnson scoring the touchdowns and Scott Mitchell doing what he did but uh, there are some other games that come to mind for you guys whether it be an individual or, or a position group that stepped up? Well, you know, uh, we, we've talked before uh, a lot of times about Chris Jurgensen and his his field goal in 93. They beat him 34-31. The, the angle that was so great about that, I thought why I had him down there as one of the great performances is not only that he made that 55-yard field goal, but the fact that uh, I believe the year before he missed the one against Washington State in the bowl game, and, and just the simple fact that he had come around. All this pressure was on him. Redemption. And he turned around. And that's a cheese ball angle, you know, but we all love them. And and it really was a phenomenal performance to kick from that distance in that game uh, with everything probably still in his head. If I remember right, that he got peppered with questions about that after the game. Uh, about losing, the, uh, not making him field goal uh, the previous year. Well, in that game, though, he missed an extra point earlier in the, in the third quarter, and he missed three field goals. So the fact that Ron McBride had enough faith in him to try a 55-yarder, you know, with 25 seconds left, and that's the thing I've always thought was interesting about that game, is that back then they didn't have uh, overtime, so it would have been a tie game. Utah could have taken the tie and just, you know, I mean, not that they tried, but they could have just played for, not gone for the win at that point, but 55 yards, I mean, even today, that's a long ways away. And, it, and if he had missed that, BYU still had 25 seconds. That's not a lot of time, but they could have gone maybe two big plays, had gone down, and they could have kicked a field goal, and they would have won the game. So I think that was a huge gamble for uh, Ron McBride, who didn't really like kickers very much, did he, Brad? I mean, he had a, a thing about yeah. he was kind of wary of them, and for him to put that much faith in Jurgensen at that point to try a 55-yarder to win the game, which really, I think, turned the rivalry around. I mean, if you look back... Because from that point on, it's been a different story. Yeah, Mac used to cover his eyes. I remember when the kicker, I mean, he would actually look away. I remember one year during that era around that, going up to Coach Mac and saying, hey, about the kickers, he said, you're not going to bring it up. Don't bring that garbage in here. Don't bring that in here. And I said, I got to do it. So anyway, he did talk about But he didn't even want to talk about his kicker. He, I think he was pretty superstitious about those, those things. Could you imagine if he had missed that field goal, what would have happened? That's what I'm saying, yeah. I mean, would he, McBride would have led uh, legislation to ban kickers from the game. 
<laughs> Jurgensen probably never set foot in the stadium again for any reason. Yeah, even though it was 55 yards, which is hard for anybody to make. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's redemption's the word that comes to mind because, you know, despite all the mistakes in that, when it really counted, he came through. Um, let's jump to the 05 game there. Mike, we talked about that a little bit. There was a certain quarterback that stepped up when uh, nobody really gave Utah a chance that year because they were so injury depleted. Yeah, because a week before Brian Johnson had gone down against New Mexico and was out for the season. Well, they only had one more game left. So everybody just thought, well, there's no way Utah is going to win this game. I mean, they don't have their quarterback. And they had a backup named Brett Ratliff who hadn't played a lick that season. Nobody knew anything about him. And they come into the game, and BYU is a big favorite. And after the first uh, half, the score was 24-3 to for Utah. I mean, it was amazing. I mean, Utah, everything went right for them. And then BYU kind of, you know, got things together, and they came back and came back, and they, and they tied the game. And, uh, but Brett Ratliff, and then, then in overtime, Brett Ratliff hit uh, Travis LaTondres for that back-of-the-end zone toss that uh, a lot of Utah fans remember to win the game 41-34. to but the thing about Brett Ratliff that day is that not only did he uh, have a great passing day, let's see, he had 17 out of 32 for 242 yards, four touchdowns, but he also ran for over 100 yards and scored a touchdown. Say, I think the <laughs> fact that he had a, they had a QB run game yeah, and they had, freaked they had, BYU they had, out. And they had Brian Johnson before that, and this guy turned out to be as good or better as a runner than Brian Johnson did. You know? And then he had a good season the next year. He tururned out he was a pretty good quarterback. But at the time, nobody had ever heard of Brett Ratliff, and he just he almost single-handedly won the game for Utah that week. You know, and Brett Ratliff went to the same junior college as Aaron Rodgers. I think it was Butte Junior College in Northern California. So, I mean, he had a, a pedigree as far as the school is concerned, but as far as the talent, a uh, wide difference there. But obviously, but I believe Brett Ratliff went on to have a cup of coffee in the NFL. And, uh, you know, like I said, he stepped up and that was his coming out party in that Utah overtime yeah, I think victory I, that year. I, I think a lot of people would have been shocked, you know, who, who is this guy? But Utah fans kind of figured out, got a little heads up. But when he went, was it the Jets, I think? he was right. in the NFL, and I'm sure people go, who? What? Uh, you know, where? what did he do? Uh, but they saw him under pressure, and, and he showed something that, you know, I, I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't have said too far to say that game um, got him, like you said, a cup of coffee in the NFL because it launched his career. With cream and sugar, perhaps, <laughs> too, right? Uh, anybody else come to mind, guys, for outstanding performances? Uh, I feel like I'm hosting the Oscars here in a, uh, in a lead role against the BYU Cougars. Mike, can you Well, just the year before, in, tw- in 2004, um, there was a guy named Steve Savoy, you know, who was one of uh, – he and Paris Warren were kind of the couple guys that Urban Meyer had brought in. And people, I think, used to joke about Steve Savoy, you know, how he couldn't, uh, you know, the, the defensive players would say how he wasn't that fast and they could always catch him. But in a game, they said he was something else. And, and right in the middle of that game, uh, Utah was hanging on to kind of a slim lead. He was Utah was backed up on their eight-yard line. He got loose for a 92-yard run around the end and up the sideline, and nobody could catch him. And that kind of turned the game. Utah went on to win by 31 points. But uh, he wasn't known as the fastest guy. He was a receiver. But the Utah used to use that, that uh, offense under Urban Meyer where they would kind of throw the ball to the receivers coming across the line and so forth like that and this was a running play and that was kind of one of the outstanding performances I remember of, of that time and that was a guy named Steve Savoy who he go into the NFL I don't think he ever did, did you he? know he left Utah early if uh-huh. you remember and a lot of people thought another year of college ball would have been a good thing for him right and it turns out they were probably right <laughs> pro career didn't uh, didn't turn out as well as the promise he showed against BYU that day and just the fact that you know he did have some wheels on him and he got the ball he was tough to catch and 
talented receiver, but uh, can't help but wonder if he'd come back, how much better he would have been at the next level. Um, we're kind of maybe through the Urban Meyer era, jumping into the Kyle Whittingham era and that. Are there some guys that come to mind? You know, uh, everybody everybody you know was a pretty big uh, follower of Brian Johnson, and he had a great career. They had a lot of uh, really good players come through here, and Urban started that, I think. Um, and, I, you know, I thought individual performances, Dirk, uh, 2008 with Brian, you know, the, the Sugar Bowl on the line, they're playing BYU, and he, he completes 30 out of 36 passes, if I, if I got that right, uh, 303 yards. Um, and, and so, you know, that kind of was the bridge because I, I think that when Urban left, people thought, okay, now, now they're going to go kind of back to the, uh, the right. youths that are, you know, what they used to be. And, uh, you know, the, the 2008 game, uh, they beat BYU, and it allows them to go to the Sugar Bowl. And then uh, that was the launching point for them to get in the Pac-12. Well, and you remember Brian Johnson, Mike, went on to become the most outstanding player in the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, he was. Uh, that was a tremendous game. Like Brad said, he only he missed six passes all, all night. I don't think he had an interception, three or four touchdowns. So, yeah, he was a, he was a great player for the Utes and one that, uh, I guess that was his senior year season, wasn't it? It was. And yeah. so, you know, you take that performance against BYU and the game against Alabama. I mean, he was playing at a very, very high level, obviously, those two games. And, you know, maybe the BYU game was the uh, the springboard into the Sugar Bowl as far as he was concerned because he earned the MVP honors in that game as well. So Yeah, and interestingly, Dirk, uh, you know, as much run as Brian got and as great as he played at the end, he really got no uh, no sense at all of playing in the NFL, didn't get it, really a chance at all, uh, didn't play in Canada. Uh, and, and so that, to me, tells you... Uh, what's amazing about college football and sometimes people rise to the occasion and they're at their best day. Their best day isn't in, in the future. It isn't in the NFL. Uh, their best day is in some big college football game like Utah-BYU and, uh, and then they have a day that people will remember. You know, it's interesting. Is you kind of look back on, sorry to divert over to the Sugar Bowl a little bit, but I think that was the 75th anniversary of the Sugar Bowl, I think, when the Utes went there. I was given a, a really nice big book that somebody had done on the 75-year history of that. And you look through the names of the MVPs, and some of them were just great college guys. They didn't turn out to be great NFL guys. And, you know, maybe Brian fits in that mold, and he's obviously doing real well as a coach. He's in Florida now, and... Uh, Coach with the Utes a little bit and, and Houston and such, but he uh, he turned out to be a good one. Um, since then, there's been some other guys. Uh, Brandon Burton tipped a, a field goal attempt by BYU and some other guys that stepped forward. Any thoughts on the quote-unquote modern era? Well, just you mentioned that 2010 game with Brandon Burton. Uh, that was really not one of the most exciting. That was a pretty boring game, I think, on the whole. It was 6 Except to nothing at halftime, right, right. and it was just kind of a slugfest, and nothing really was happening all day. BYU was at 16 to 10, and then Utah scored with about two or three minutes left to make it uh, 17 to 16. And BYU was go- marched down the field under uh, Jake Heaps, and they looked like they were going to win the game. And all of a sudden, they kind of let up and decided they're going to go for the field goal. And, you know, and Brandon Burton came in, you just figured, well, they're going to kick this and win it. And he just came in from nowhere off that left side and blocked it. And, I mean, you could say single handedly he won the game because I don't know if, the, you know, you don't, it's no guarantee it was going through, but the guy was a Mitch Payne was a pretty good kicker, and it was, uh, you know, it was in his 
his range, and so he figured BYU was going to win the game. It was the last play of the game, and there's Brandon Burton comes out of nowhere and blocks it. So that was one of the greatest individual performances in a, in a BYU game. And he's another one of those guys that went on to play in the NFL, and I think he's out, and obviously he's up helping coach the Utes right now. Um, anybody in the last couple of years come to mind for you, Brad? No, I think I think that it's still interesting games. I still think they're they're fascinating the dynamics of it. I think it's lost a little bit of motion uh, because of the Pac-12, and so the games uh, come up, they move on, and uh, I, I don't think I'd put it in a place of being just another game. It's still bigger than that, but there are games I think that their fans follow and that the media follow that are that are more significant to the Utes, uh, and so they stick in your head maybe more of the others are a regular season game against against a rival, uh, right. but the Rose Bowl doesn't matter. It's still a lot of fun, though, isn't it? Yeah. Mike, any other individual performers that may we may have left out that you think we should uh, give a little... If you, want me, if you want to go back in time just for a second, sure. uh, the 1971 game when I was in high school, a guy named Marv Bateman, who went on the NFL, he kicked a field goal in the last second to beat BYU 17-15. to 15. I remember I was down in Provo watching that game and, you know, in the Ute section and, and watching Utah win that game, and that was a big deal at the time. And uh, he was one of the more famous Utes. You know, he was uh, with the Dallas Cowboys for many years. Right. But he was a, a punter and a place kicker. But the last, you know, last three or four years, nothing outstanding. There's, you know, you can look at the defense one year, and when they won, and now in Las Vegas was kind of the. But as far as a single guy that stood out, you know, not in the last couple of years, I wouldn't say. Prediction: Will there be somebody in this year's game step up and add his name to the folklore or, or legendary status? that is attained in this game by yeah, anybody? There, there has to be, and I mean, it would be interesting if Jason Shelley had a great game and steps in and does a Brett Ratliff, but uh, I think every year there's going to be somebody who's going to have a great game. Maybe it's going to be, uh, you know... Maybe Armand Shine. Yeah, yeah. Or Chase or Britton, maybe, you know, Chase Hansen or Britton Covey, maybe a Utah County guy that steps yeah. up and does it this year. Guys, thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening, folks.